Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. This episode following week 15 of the NFL, where the New York Jets take on the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore on Thursday Night Football. Shorthanded, missing a ton of players, but the Jets go out there and uh, play against one of the league's best, and they lose this one 42-21 to in what was, you know, kind of an exciting game going into it because you're playing on primetime. You just wonder what your team's going to do. Very nervous because you knew the Ravens were clearly a better team than us, better coached, better players, better season, everything about what they're doing. It's, it's about the opposite of what the Jets are doing right now. But we wanted to see what the Jets could do in a big situation like this. And we got smoked. I mean, we were down 35-7 to at one point, And we couldn't stop a nosebleed, as Bart Scott once said, against this team. It was, it was trouble. And the Jets, they lost this game 42-21. So it was a pretty sound defeat. But somehow, someway, I ended up coming out of this game actually feeling all right about the New York Jets. I know that's crazy. Again, everyone always asks, Dan, do you have the bar so low that you can lose 42-21 and feel good about it? Well, honestly, at the point that we're at right now, the team just dropped to 5-9. and nine. We were eliminated from the playoffs essentially a few weeks ago. And when Sam Darnold went down and this team was on a, a crazy losing streak, playing quarterbacks like Luke Falk, David Fales, there really was no chance for this team to compete. And then we lost other key players, C.J. Mosley, Chris Herndon didn't play this year. Aside from a couple of plays, we've talked about it all year long on this podcast. We've been missing a ton of guys. You don't want to make too many excuses, but the team now is five and nine, and we're not at the point where we're really trying to like, you know, we're not playing with our unit. We aren't playing with the guys that we signed: C.J. Mosley, Avery Williamson. We're not playing even in this game with Jamal Adams. The offensive line, in my opinion, will be fully revised next year. We're going to have probably four new starters on that offensive line. And you are not look. We got 26 or 25 at this point upcoming free agents on this roster. We're going to have a, a pretty big amount of money to spend on free agents. And at this point, right now, through 15 weeks, we're slated to have the seventh overall draft pick. We've also accumulated some more. Thank you to the Giants and that Leonard Williams trade. This is a draft that the New York Jets are going to be able to attack a lot of situations, a lot of position groups, offensive line specifically. Anyways, the point of the matter is. This isn't really the New York Jets team. This isn't what we're going to go into next year with. This isn't what we thought we were going to go into this year with. It's just kind of what we're stuck with at this point, what we're left with in the season where anything that could go wrong did go wrong. So with all that in mind, when you're going up against a team like the Baltimore Ravens, who are possibly the best team in the AFC, maybe one of the best teams in the entire NFL, playing against a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who's probably going to win MVP, and... I mean, how are you supposed to scout or practice for a guy like Lamar Jackson? There's nobody on the Jets roster who can do what Lamar Jackson does with the football in his hands. It's not like you can put David Fales in backup quarterback for your scout team in practice and say, all right, start running the plays that Lamar Jackson runs so our defense can get used to it. There's no way to prepare for it or know just how fast he is, just how difficult it is to stop. And it was a game that was just destined for failure for the New York Jets, and you saw it when it happened. But we felt good about it because Sam Darnold actually looked good. And the Ravens have one of the better defenses in the NFL. They're not dominating like the Patriots or the Buffalo Bills, but they're pretty darn good. They get after the quarterback. They could force turnovers. They're pretty stout in run defense, pass defense as well. And Sam Darnold looked good. First half specifically, Sam Darnold looked good. We weren't scoring. We weren't scoring a ton early in this game. It took a while for us to really get going in that department. We missed an extra point. We missed a field goal. We, uh, well, it was blocked. You know, we had some opportunities that we didn't cash in on. Sam Darnold had the ball ending the half, threw the ball, interception about the five-yard line. on Just a bad throw to Daniel Brown um, that was picked off. Missed out on points there. The Jets, you know, our first two drives sputtered. We went three and out on the very first drive for five yards. It's not like what the New York Jets have been doing this year. So at first it was like a little stale. But then Sam Darnold got it going. He was throwing the ball around the field, found Jamison Crowder a bunch. Jamison Crowder ended this game two, uh, two touchdowns, 90 yards. Robbie Anderson had a couple nice catches. Vincent Smith had a couple nice catches. And the big thing about it was Sam Darnold, when he was under duress, rolling out, he was moving in the pocket really well. He was finding receivers. He was throwing off-schedule throws. 
He was finding guys on on lengthy plays. He was moving around, rolling out. Had a nice 11-yard run in this game. I mean, from everything that you saw, when the New York Jets, a team this bad, playing with the players that they're playing with against a team like the Ravens who are rolling this hot in Baltimore, short week, Thursday night football, primetime game. The cards are stacked against you, and it could have easily been one of those games the Jets came out and floundered on offense. And at this point, with the players that we have on our roster playing in these games, there's really not that many guys that we need to scout that are going to be here next year. We've got a few upcoming free agents that are super important to look at. Some of the offensive linemen, guys like Ty Montgomery, Robbie Anderson's the big one that comes to mind. You know, do guys like Vincent Smith or Braxton Berrios come back for another year? Keep in mind, we don't have a ton invested in them in terms of how we got them. They're just kind of pickups that, you know, hey, if you can find another guy, pick them up. Maybe they can offer more. Very possible. So you got to scout all those guys. Offensively, you got to figure out. Sam Darnold is the real guy. We're looking to evaluate him all season long. And then you got uh, the players on defense. And as few as they are, there's still some worth watching. Guys like Kyle Phillips, Terrell Basham, Foley Fadakasi, guys that have the arrow potentially pointing up for them. Jordan Jenkins in a contract year can get after the quarterback. These cornerbacks that were playing, like Blashawn Austin, Nate Hairston, traded the late-round pick for him. What can he do? Daryl Roberts, we put him back at safety, so like I don't know what we're doing there. But Marcus May, stay healthy. Can he get something going? So there's some people that we're evaluating. But other than that, it's just kind of like waiting for next year, waiting for free agency, waiting for the draft. And that's what happens a lot of times for the New York Jets. That's what happens when you don't have a good team. That's what happens when you're 5-9, and nine, week 15, not playing meaningful games. What else can you do? I mean, I'm still going to watch the games, but I'm not just going to watch for the sake of let's hope to get a better draft pick or... You know, let's just watch and see what the final score is. That's about how we get there. It's not about winning or losing. I will prefer winning 10 times out of 10, and I will root for them to win every single game because that means people are playing well and doing their jobs. But it's about the important players that are going to build this team moving forward and how they helped us get to whatever end result we had. And in this game, I felt good about Sam Darnold. I felt good about the way he played. He didn't have the greatest stats in the world. It wasn't the best performance we've ever seen. But against a team that good in their building on Thursday night football with the players that he's playing with, he looked darn good at times. And that's the kind of thing that, like, you know, a bad quarterback would crumble and fall under that kind of pressure in that circumstance, would have a really ugly, horrible game. I'm not saying Sam Darnold hasn't done it before. We saw him against the Patriots on a primetime game. But in this one... It just shows that he's, you know, really progressing as a quarterback, and, and I was happy to see that. So, overall, not as negative as it could be. Still, we're 5-9 and nine on the season. We lost this one 42-21, so there's plenty to be negative about. We're not going to focus too much on this game. Honestly, I'm going to try to go through pretty quickly what happened in this game, who played well, what the stats were for the players and the team in this one. Going to do a preview of the Steelers game. We're going to do our usual what's on tap. We are not going to do a father time today. It is my dad's birthday, and he didn't work today which means he didn't have time to just sit in his office writing an email about the New York Jets. I said, take the day off, just enjoy yourself, take a nice bath, drink some red wine, listen to some jazz music, and pamper yourself. He said, that's the lamest, weakest thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to have a beer and sit on the couch. So that's what he did, and uh, no father time. But that's okay, because instead what I'm going to do, I mean, we're going to preview the Steelers like we usually do the predictions for that, um, and I'm going to try to move pretty quickly through the Raven stuff because it's so far removed at this point. We lost by a bunch, and, you know, like, especially defensively, like there's really nothing to... We didn't stop them. Everybody played poorly. So I'm not going to focus too much on that. One thing I do want to do quickly in this one, though, is talk about who's trending up and who's trending down, specifically people that matter. It's, at this point, it's not a huge deal if Steve McClendon is trending up or trending down because he's the oldest guy on the team. He's got a one-year contract with the Jets for next year. He's going to be here. After that, eventually, he'll move on. It's not hugely important what a guy like Demarius Thomas does, but for the younger guys, for the draft picks from this year, the guys that we're looking at, upcoming free agents we need to figure out are these guys that we want to keep or guys we don't want to keep it's time we start focusing our attention on these specific players so i want to do that uh, but before i get into any of this stuff i first have to remind you to rate review subscribe this to this podcast wherever you listen to it should be found on all podcast platforms and again this podcast this is the jet life part of the gang green nation podcast it's brought to you by sb nation and if you want to find this podcast an an article or whatever that i write each week about it. You can find that on ganggreennation.com where all my episodes are posted. And you can always follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan, where I post more thoughts and opinions and what have yous on the New York Jets. Always New York Jets related. It's all I ever really think about. 
Um, in fact, so much so that I was just told by girlfriend Shannon that for the last two or three nights, I've actually been talking about football in my sleep. I've been trying to game plan, saying who to get the ball to, and adjustments I'd like to see from specific players. Some of the names are made up. I was cheering for a guy named Buster Scruggs a lot last night. I don't know too much about him, but uh, maybe it's a Buster screen mixed with another guy. Either way, football's on my mind a lot. We only got two weeks left for the New York Jets. Only two more games. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot to uh, to kind of take in because as quickly as the season begins and then you make excuses and all of a sudden you're at the end of the year and then you're looking at the draft and we're talking mock draft, who the Jets going to take, should they go after this guy, which hypothetical trades are we going to do, what free agents should we go after. Everyone's going to have differing opinions. There's going to be 15 to 20 different ways to build this team. The only thing that I've really seen every single New York Jets fan in agreement on even more than firing Adam Gase, is that this team needs an offensive line. That's what we got to do. The, the focus of the money, the draft, where we have assets, we got to turn them in for offensive linemen. It's been ignored for way too long, and it's time for the New York Jets to do that. I think Joe Douglas gets it. I think that's what he's going to focus on. But that's something that we're going to talk about plenty as the year goes on. Um, there is still plenty of football to be played. You know, we got playoffs that are going to be really good. It looks like a pretty exciting year. And then this week, Saturday, is the, the first Saturday games of the season. I think we got three games, one of those being New England versus Buffalo, where I believe if Buffalo wins, they'll actually take control of the AFC East, which would be pretty darn incredible. I mean, I'm no Buffalo Bills fan, but I certainly, certainly would rather see them win than the New England Patriots. So I'll be definitely rooting for the Buffalo Bills in that one. I'd like to see what Josh Allen and the guys over there can do. A couple other games on Saturday. Um... So it's kind of exciting, gets you ready, and then after that's the final week of the season. The New York Jets will be playing against the Buffalo Bills in that game to close out the season. I don't think there's any Monday night games or any like late games that final week just to kind of give everybody even playing field going into the playoffs. And then playoffs begin, we get two weeks of Saturday-Sunday games, then we go to Sundays, and then the Super Bowl. So it all kind of just flies by. The New York Jets will not be super involved in all that, but being the football fans that most of us are, you know, we still have a rooting interest in a lot of the stuff that's going on. I still want to see what's going on with uh, the rest of the teams in the playoffs. So that stuff is exciting. Now let's talk about the New York Jets-Baltimore Ravens game. Like I said in the beginning, the New York Jets got off to a really slow start in this game. And the Baltimore Ravens got off to a very hot start. Jets went 3-0 and out on their first drive. They didn't score until their third drive. They got a touchdown, passed to Jamison Crowder, where he dropped first ball, caught the second one. The Baltimore Ravens scored a touchdown on their first three drives, and they did it with ease. They made every single Jets fan watching this game just say to themselves, after the third drive, you're just like, we can't stop this team. There's just no way. We haven't gotten them to any third down opportunities. We haven't made it. In the entire game, the New York Jets team had one single tackle for loss. One single negative yardage play for the Baltimore Ravens. We had one sack in this game. Even that registered zero yards. Terrell Basham sacked Lamar Jackson for a zero-yard gain. I mean, we could not stop them. We came into this game with the second-best rush defense in the entire NFL. And we were going up against the number one rush offense in the league, right? The Ravens, really good. A mixture of Lamar Jackson doing keepers. And then Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards. It's a tough task at hand. They were averaging over 200 rushing yards per game. The New York Jets play against them, giving up like 70 yards per game rushing. In this game, they gave up over 200. Baltimore ran all over them. And we couldn't stop Lamar Jackson. And then every single time, you know, we have to start bringing guys up because we don't know what to do. Lamar Jackson's running the ball, handing the ball off over and over. We don't have people that can really even cover in this game because we're down shorthanded. And every single time someone gets wide open on every single pass play, Lamar Jackson will kind of roll out, stand in the pocket, and a tight end will slip through a, a seam. He'll be wide open in the zone. And, uh, you know, a few times gotten some really bad coverages. Neville Hewitt... That's what happens with the Greg Williams-style defense. That middle linebacker is going to play his zone, and when the guy that's in his zone runs deep, he's going to have to try follow him. Unfortunately, Marquise Hollywood-Brown is way too fast for Neville Hewitt. He's been caught in these situations a few times this year. You know, it's, it's not a perfect defense. We don't have perfect players playing in it either. So these things are going to happen. It's kind of like the weak spots, and it's on Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens, and whoever we're playing against really to find those spots. Neville Hewitt guarding the deep zone. That's one of them. Uh, the tight ends were consistently getting open. A couple big, long bombers by Lamar Jackson. And it really was tough sledding for the New York Jets in terms of stopping that team. We didn't force any turnovers in the entire game. We didn't really have any big plays on defense at all, whatsoever. 
And the only player on the New York Jets that's actually athletic enough to truly guard Lamar Jackson, tackle him in an open field, maybe spy him, play him at the line of scrimmage and make his life difficult is Jamal Adams. He wasn't playing. Even C.J. Mosley's not athletic enough to keep up with a guy like Lamar Jackson. You're going to need a Jamal Adams, some freak of nature guy who's going to be all amped up and say, this is my, you know, before the game, Greg Williams like, that's your assignment. I want you shutting down Lamar Jackson. Do whatever you have to do. Get in his face. And then Lamar Jackson's a guy, or Jamal Adams is a guy that can actually do it. We didn't even have him for this game. So would that have changed things? Yes. There were a couple other ridiculous things throughout this game. We mentioned Sam Darnold played well, moving off schedule. We only passed for like 200 and something yards. Sam Darnold ended this game with 218 passing yards, sacked once. He wasn't like blown up a ton, but he was pressured a lot. Still found some yardage, but this was one of those weird games. Like Baltimore Ravens had the ball, crazy time of possession early on. We didn't get the ball a lot, and uh, there were some freak things that happened. Jets weren't going to win this game either way. I'll say that, but you know, a couple bad penalties by the New York Jets. We had a play that definitely went off a special teamer of the Ravens on a punt that should have came to the New York Jets because we picked the ball up after. Somehow, after watching the replay of a football hitting a guy, not only in the shoulder pad, but then his shoe, and everybody in agreement that's watching it on the on the television broadcast, me on my couch, my roommate Kyle watching it, every, every single person's in agreement, okay, that ball just hit him. We don't get the ball back for whatever reason. That really sucked. Um, Sam Darnold threw that one bad interception going down to the red zone. That one was a bummer. We did have a blocked punt that ended up getting his touchdown. The guy, B.J. Bello, who was picked up off the practice squad a few weeks back, uh, to fill in when we were like super low on middle linebackers, lost Albert McClellan. That was like, we don't really have anybody that can play. I think at that time, even Neville Hewitt was injured. We were playing James Burgess as number one, and then we had to like pick up another guy. BJ Bella was that guy, picked up this touchdown in that block punt. Uh, Sam Ficken had a tipped kick that was like a 49 yarder. He just kicked it too low. Sam Ficken's not kicking that well right now. I mean, he had that one game winner I was really excited about and wanted to kind of see if it would carry over. It did not. He also missed an extra point in this game, so that was a bummer. Uh, we had two touchdowns to Jamison Crowder, and then that punt or punt block touchdown return. Sam Darnold threw a two-point conversion to make up for the missed extra point. That one went to Robbie Anderson. Nice contested grab there. A couple nice plays from the guys. Le'Veon Bell, he had like his best rushing game as a New York Jet this season. He finally had a yards per carry average over four. He finally ran for over 80 yards, finished with 87. So a decent game for him. He couldn't find the end zone, but he looked good. I mean, he's playing against an old division rival. He played for the Steelers for years. Now he's playing against the Baltimore Ravens. He's familiar with a lot of the stuff that they do with John Harbaugh. The defense is run over there and the players over there. So uh, perhaps it was in his favor a little bit. We'll see what happens next week because he plays against the Steelers. So we know there's going to be a bunch of headlines there. We'll see how much extra juice Le'Veon Bell's running with. We'll see what kind of extra juice the Steelers' defense is running with because, again, he was their teammate that you know kind of bailed on him last year. He was under contract and didn't play. So that stuff will all be interesting. But as this thing went down, the Jets couldn't stop them worth anything defensively. We had no good defensive plays in this entire game. We were missing our best players. C.J. Mosley still not playing. Avery Williamson not playing. Quinn and Williams, he was out for this one. Jamal Adams out. As bad as our cornerbacks are, we're still missing Arthur Mollette, Trumaine Johnson. You can say what you want about them, but don't act like, you know, playing Nate Harrison, Bless Austin, Maurice Kennedy, and Daryl Roberts as a safety is your ideal cornerback pairing like if everyone's healthy I'm sure you can still find a better combination than what we had out there and uh it just was tough sledding we knew it was gonna be I think we were 16 and a half point underdogs going in we lost this one by 21 points so I'll move over to the player stats and kind of just try to fire through some of this stuff Sam Darnold I mentioned he had a pretty good game statistically it wasn't amazing he was 18 for 32 the guy threw for 218 yards he had a touchdown two touchdowns both to Jamison Crowder and then a really bad interception on a, on a miscommunication with Daniel Brown, who's you know our third-string tight end who's playing in there because we don't have Chris Herndon or Ryan Griffin, and there's a miscommunication probably on Daniel Brown, not understanding where he's supposed to be, didn't keep running. Um, we were sacked one time, minus 11 yards. Sam Darnold fumbled the ball as well. When he got sacked, I mean, he was, like, mugged, gang-rushed by a whole flock of Ravens. And drop the ball, so, you know, that stuff happens. He hasn't fumbled the ball nearly as much as people thought he would being in the NFL. But still, when you get sacked as many times as Sam Darnold does and people get free runs at your quarterback with big groups like that, you're not going to hold on to the ball every single time. I don't blame him too much for that one. Hopefully, we can just protect him a little bit better moving forward. Running the ball, said Le'Veon Bell had his best game. 21 carries for 87 yards. It was a 4.1 yard per carry average. Finally over four, which is like kind of the number that we use as a barometer for 
a, an efficient running game. His longest of the game, again, like 15 yards. He hasn't had a long carry all season. Am I the only one that's like really bummed out by that? He hasn't had a single like 30, 40, 50-yard gainer in the receiving game or running game all season long. Isaiah Crowell was doing it like two or three times a game out of nowhere. He'd get stopped from minus two, minus one, minus two, and then he'd still find a big gainer. And Le'Veon Bell, he just doesn't have that burst or that explosiveness. He finds a way to dodge, juke, and shimmy his way for like an extra three, four yards than he's supposed to get every time. But he doesn't ever get a huge gainer and blast through people and get downfield. He, uh, The way he runs with the ball, he's so patient. I think one of the issues is, you know, if you hit the hole really hard, sometimes you're through the center, through the guard, before the defensive backs and some linebackers even know that you're there. And all of a sudden they turn around and you get to that second level. And they're like, oh, shoot, we got to get there. Le'Veon Bell, he hops around in the backfield so much and he's so patient with it finding his hole that everybody knows he's already got in his hand. And by the time he gets between that center and the guard and he breaks through the offensive line, you've got like six, seven guys just swarmed in on him. So there's really no opportunity for him to find daylight in the second level and run. We've seen that all season long. It's kind of like the negative side of the way he dances. And I've I've said it before, you know, sometimes I wish that he would just hit the hole a little bit harder. It doesn't have to be every time. I like the way that he runs. I think he's got a really cool, interesting way that's super successful and efficient for him. Even with the horrible offensive line that we have this year, he's actually been, you know, you can't not be impressed with what he's done this year, regardless of the numbers. But sometimes, you know, one out of five, when it's a third and one, or it's a specific situation where you have a mismatch on the offensive line, just know your hole, know your assignment, and just get there, and just fire through it, just every once in a while. And I'm sure it would help him out, but he's got his specific style, and he's kind of stuck in his ways. We'll see what uh, what a new offensive line next year will bring for him. But a better game from him. Bilal Powell, he didn't play in this game because guess what? He's got the freaking flu. It's like this season, this freaking season where we had mono. We've had all the injuries in the world and, you know, all these grievances against the team for injury settlements and stuff. And then all of a sudden, week 14, everybody on the team gets the flu. Le'Veon Bell had it last week. Bilal Powell has it now. It's just, uh, you know, it, it, I'd never want the season to end. I would love to watch five, six, seven. I'd watch 20 more weeks of this if I could, just because I love watching the Jets, but it's one of those seasons that, like, can't end soon enough in terms of just how many more bad things are going to happen to this team. It's, uh, it's honestly pretty crazy. Ty Montgomery, he only carried the ball twice for five yards, so he really went 100% on Le'Veon Bell in this one. Sam Darnold, he had that one carry for 11 yards. That was all right. The problem was, defensively, we gave up 218 rushing yards, so our 103 yards was pretty dwarfed pretty quickly. Receiving, Jameson Crowder, he had six catches on 11 targets. He was targeted a bunch of times. He's been quiet for the last few weeks. He's been like one of those up-and-down guys. Some games he gets, you know, 13 catches out of nowhere. Some games he gets 100 yards, and Sam Darnold's looking his way over and over. And then the next game he gets like three, four targets, 30 yards, just simple slot routes and things. Uh, this was one of the games that Sam Darnold was in favor with him. Six catches, 90 yards, two touchdowns. He had a 41-yarder. Like I said, he led the team by far in targets those 11. He actually dropped a, a very easy touchdown in the front right of the end zone. Sam Darnold hit him wide open. He dropped it. Incompletion for Sam. Undeserved. But then next play, third down, Sam Darnold goes right back to him in the same spot. This time he's tightly covered. He gets his two feet down, catches it with the defender draped all over him. A beautiful catch for J Jamison Crowder. And he, you know, he dropped the easy one, caught the hard one. Ultimately, we got the points. And the rest of the receiving game, Robbie Anderson, he had another pretty good game. He had 66 yards in this one on six targets, four catches. His long was a 41-yarder. That was a pretty nice play by him running up the middle of the field. Robbie Anderson, he hasn't had a really bad week in like six or seven weeks. And I think that six or seven weeks or so, we were kind of thinking to ourselves, he's getting like, he's having some games 10, 20 yards, 30 yards, just really not a huge part of this offense. Sam Darnold's not really finding a rhythm with him. Is this potentially mean that he's not going to be the guy moving forward? Sam Darnold going to find it really the last five weeks. Like, he's been getting touchdowns. Recently, he's been getting 100 yards or a touchdown basically every week. This week, 66 yards, but against the Baltimore Ravens in this game, where we only threw for 218 yards. Still a pretty good game from him. And Robbie Anderson at this point has like 729 yards or something on the season. Technically, it's still possible for him to get to 1,000 yards for the first time in his career. And the first time as anybody on the New York Jets has done it since like Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall, who weren't homegrown dudes. They were just picked up established veterans. It's been a long time since we had, like, a New York Jet, a true Jet. I don't remember if Kotri did it. You know, Lavernius Coles maybe got over that 1,000-yard mark once with the New York Jets. And uh, 
Robbie Anderson potentially has a chance to do it. He's going to have to get about a, a 230 yard, no, 270 yards in the last two games. So an average of 135 yards, it's a lot. Playing against the Bills and Steelers certainly won't be easy. He'll probably finish in that eight, 900 yard range and just miss it by a little bit, which will be a bummer for him, especially in a contract year. He needs that to just help him get that extra payday. But it's possible. And I always like to see New York Jets have good personal seasons. So that's something I'm going to be rooting for. He's a guy that likes to see re-signed to the New York Jets. I will mention that one more time. I am a Robbie Anderson fan. I don't think that he's a number one receiver. The, the term number one receiver is so weirdly used. People are just like, he's the number one receiver. He's the number two receiver. He's the three. What it comes down to is like each one of these guys that's out there is going to play 60 to 90% of snaps. What kind of output are you going to give when you do it? What kind of routes do you run based on your skill set? What kind of value do you bring? What output and production do you have? doesn't matter whether you're the one, the two, six foot three, five foot eight, just like you run what you can run. And if it works with our offense and our quarterback and everyone likes to throw that route, then great. I don't care if you're the slot guy. So anyways, Robbie Anderson, he's a valuable piece. He's working well with Sam Darnold, especially now we're seeing it. We don't have a ton of options offensively. We don't have any tight end playing. We don't have a third wide receiver, really. Which brings us to Vincent Smith, who in this game, he had a big play. Call him Big Play Vince, because for some reason, every time he touches the ball, something big happens. He had a 31-yarder in this game that was actually a pretty nice play. Broke a couple tackles, got some yak, and, uh, you know, he's not having a crazy good year. It's better compared to guys like Ardarius Stewart, Chad Hansen. It's better than those guys. Um, it's probably on pace with like what we were seeing from a Deontay Burnett. This guy's not given a ton of opportunity, but he, you know, he is thrown to. He doesn't get open a ton. He makes big plays when he has to. He plays on special teams. He actually had a really good kick return game in this one. You don't want to like dog him too much, but he's just, you know, he's not an elite level wide receiver. He's one of those guys that when you can replace him, you will. You can't wait to find a guy who's better than Vincent Smith. You're playing Vincent Smith for a lack of a better option. Not that, like, we found our guy. It's Vincent. It's like, you know, just like Deontay Burnett. And a bunch of us were disappointed. Like, Deontay Burnett's not coming back. He had a good rhythm of Sam. He was one of the guys who's actually getting stuff going. But in reality, like, when you're a bad team, you have to replace the worst players on your team. And, yeah, Deontay Burnett played. He played minutes. He had some production. Otherwise, he couldn't be on the team. Even Jeff Smith just came off with the practice squad, caught a ball in this game. You know, if you're on the roster, you're going to catch some balls if you if you play wide receiver. It's just kind of what your job is. Otherwise, you're not going to be there. That brings us to Jeff Smith, our fourth receiver in this game. One catch, 12 yards. He was targeted on a deep ball where he slowed down in his route, and if he kept running and just went straight, it probably would have been like a 50-yard touchdown from Sam Darnold. would have been absolutely beautiful. But this guy just came up to the team. He doesn't know what he's doing. He has no experience. He's not even any good. He won't be there for very long. He had that one catch, 12 yards. Good for him making his, uh, you know, getting his catch in the game and everything, but he's... I, I don't know. I don't know where Braxton Berrios is, where we're, why we're playing a guy like Jeff Smith right now. I'd rather have Ty Montgomery, Braxton Berrios playing wide receiver. Ty Montgomery, one catch, five yards. So not a ridiculously good receiving game. He only had 219 passing yards to go around. And, uh, you know, most of it went to Jameson Crowder. A little bit went to Robbie Anderson. That small amount for uh, 40 yards for Vincent Smith, and then basically nothing else. Le'Veon Bell even only had two catches in this game for one total yard. So not a huge game receiving for Le'Veon Bell. The offensive line was the classic offensive line. They were horrible in run blocking. They had a few penalties here and there. And they, you know, in this game, Sam Donald was pressured a lot. He was hit a few times. Uh, he was only sacked once. Like, the numbers don't look horrible. But he was flustered, pressured. Honestly, he doesn't get enough credit for the way that he moves in the pocket. He, We probably, if it was like a, a David Carr or an Eli Manning or someone back there, he probably would have been sacked like 40, 50 times this year. But we're nowhere even near that right now because he actually moves in the pocket well. You know, there was a game, Luke Falk was getting sacked nine times in a single game. I mean, that he wasn't getting rid of the ball at all. Sam Darnold, he had a game like that where he wasn't feeling it, but now that he's a little bit more comfortable falling into the rhythm with this team and with Adam Gase's offense, he's not getting sacked nearly as much, and it's making the offensive line look better, but they're still really bad, and they still can't open up a hole in the run game. So let's not be fooled by just one sack for the Baltimore Ravens. We've got a big task ahead of us with the... Uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers, they got like 49 sacks or something so far this year. They got a couple of monsters over there. So we'll see what the guys can do. But, uh, yeah, so that's what went on there. Defensively, there's like nothing to talk about defensively because everybody played like absolute garbage. We didn't even stop them for their first three drives of the game. We were basically at halftime, hadn't even stopped the Baltimore Ravens yet. So what are you talking like The pressures, everybody. And what do you expect at the same time? It's like James Burgess and Neville Hewitt playing middle linebacker with Brandon Copeland trying to like keep up with Lamar Jackson going around the outside. 
These guys are all backup players that have to be on the field because of injuries to other players. Then he finally gets to the outside, and he's running on guys like who? LaShawn Austin, Maurice Kennedy, and our safety coming up in this game, our Jamal Adams, our big heavy hitter is Daryl Roberts, who's not even very good at tackling. Marcus May, he's regressed in tackling. You don't even have Quinn and Williams, your number one percentage nose tackle snap playing guy who just kind of plugs and anchors the middle. I mean, we didn't have anybody who could stop him. I mean, you, were you relying on like a Jordan Jenkins and Henry Anderson to really shut down Lamar Jackson going for the run on the outside? Neville Hewitt? That's not going to happen. Neville Hewitt did lay him out once with a nice big hit. But it wasn't going to happen. And when you do that, when you're playing like so on your heels, guys are found wide open. You have to give up this to try to stop that. You have to give up a couple deep balls. You can't have extra safety help shadowing because you got to bring a guy up to try to stop the run. They ran for 200-plus yards. So you're doing that. Then they find the deep ball throw, and everything is just working. The New York Jets couldn't stop a darn thing. Terrell Basham, he had one sack in this game for zero yards net. They didn't lose anything, but he had technically a sack. He also missed a couple tackles in this game, so not a great game from him. Our leading tackler in this one was Daryl Roberts playing free safety. Seven tackles. I mean, James Burgess usually is a stat sheet stuffer with the way the New York Jets play, the way Greg Williams' defense has kind of just set up the linebackers to have good tackle numbers and some good statistics. Even he only had seven total tackles. Neville Hewitt had five. We had one single total tackle for a loss in this game, like I said. It was from Neville Hewitt. I mean, we had two passes defense in the entire game. One by James Burgess jumping up at the line. One by Daryl Roberts. I mean, there was a point where, like, the Ravens were only getting incomplete passes when Lamar Jackson just would have bad accuracy and miss a guy that was wide open. And still the guys were wide open. He was just missing them. There was like Mark Andrews was wide open on a play. He overthrew him. You know, Lamar Jackson does not have the greatest accuracy in the world. You got to keep in mind that part of his accuracy and his numbers are up this year for his accuracy, but part of that's due to the fact that everyone's watching the run so heavily. They're running for like 50 more yards than the next best team in the entire league in rushing. So everyone's watching Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram so heavily up front. It's going to make guys more wide open. They're running three tight end sets, so like it constantly looks like a run formation. So you're putting like your run defense in. You're not playing as many cornerbacks and DBs and this and that. It's just a weird style of offense to play against. I don't know how sustainable it is. But they find guys wide open, and Lamar Jackson hits them most of the time. But still, he's not perfectly accurate. Nowhere near as accurate as Sam Darnold. So he's going to throw way over a guy's head here and there. And that's what happened. And a few times we got out of it. We forced him to punt here and there. We blocked a punt. And uh, we had some really nice returns from Braxton Berrios in this one. You know, special teams. Sam Ficken trending down. Locke Edwards, average punter, punting average, not making a ton of mistakes, not making any huge inside-the-five stops. He did hit a Ravens player with the football that ended up, you know, should have been the Jets' ball, ended up going back to the Ravens. So that was kind of a cool play. Returning. Vincent Smith, big returns in the kick game. Ty Montgomery had a big return in the kick game. Braxton Berrios had more great kick returns in the punt game. He's not a guy that busts it open to the house, but he's a guy that now, you know, he had that one fumble weeks back, and I said, it's hard to trust a rookie, and I kind of lost a little bit of a little bit of faith in him. Now I am 100% back in on Braxton Berrios. He catches the ball basically every single time. I mean, he's a guy that I trust to be back there, and he calls for fair catches at the right times, and he runs back like 10, 15, 20 yarders frequently. I think his average on the season is like 10, 13 yards. And usually if you're higher than seven, I'm going to be pretty happy with what you're doing because seven yards is plenty good on an average punt return. He's higher than that. So Braxton Berrios is a rookie, making his presence felt. And uh, yeah, that's about it. it. You know, it's a shame we'll never get to see what a lot of these games were. This one included, but a lot of games this year. We'll never get to see what it would be like having Williamson and C.J. Mosley, Quinn and Williams, Chris Herndon, Jamal Adams, because I promise you, we would have been a hell of a lot better if we had those guys, even for like half the season, if we had Chris Herndon and C.J. Mosley. We would have picked up a few games. Avery Williamson, we would have picked up a few more games than we have right now. With a few more games, six wins, seven wins, I mean, we potentially could still be thinking about the possibility of the playoffs. We know it wouldn't happen, but it would still be meaningful football and be a lot closer than where we are right now. And, you know, I... I live in my own reality where the Jets are always just like, all they need is one more season to be better. They just need one more year, they're going to get it all together. And I'm in the same boat again next year. You know, I thought we were going to be better this year, taking steps forward. I've seen improvements from Sam Darnold. I think we have more talented players in the roster than we've had in a while. This guy's like Le'Veon Bell. Jamal Adams is elite. C.J. Mosley looked like he was elite when he played. And if he gets back healthy playing, and if we can retain a couple guys, I mean, I... We have a good draft pick. We got a new guy drafting who I believe in. We build up that offensive line. I still believe that this team is right there. 
you know, I say that every year, and frequently I'm proved wrong. Sometimes proved right. We have made two AFC Championship games in the last 10 years, so you can't, let's not forget that. The Bills are playing, like, their first or second playoff game in the last, like, 20-something years. It's not, like, two AFC Championship games, one game from the Super Bowl within the last 10 years. Not horrible. The Browns, actually, speaking of horrible, they are the only team in the NFL to not have a single winning season this decade. They haven't had a winning season, more than eight wins, since 2007. It was like a freshman in high school, the last time the Browns had a winning season. I mean, that's really bad. At least we won, what, 10 games in 2015 with Ryan Fitzpatrick. We still won a bunch of playoff games with Mark Sanchez in spite of him with a really good team around him. Anyways... You know, could be worse. So, I realize that I'm 35 minutes in right now and haven't taken a commercial break yet, so we're going to have to do that now. All right, welcome back. Before we move on to the next section, talk about team stats really quickly, we're going to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little section I like to call What's on Tap. That is right, folks. It is What's on Tap, the segment of the episode where I talk about the beer that I am currently drinking while recording this episode, or whatever alcoholic beverage I'm drinking, because there's always something, especially when you're a New York Jets fan. I think you drink a little more than most. And today is something a little strange. For the New York Jets-Baltimore Ravens game, I decided to pick me and roommate Kyle up a variety pack of a brewery called Stony Creek here in, uh, I forget what town it's in, somewhere like central, south, south central Connecticut. And uh, it's called Stony Creek. And they make, actually it probably says it on the can, I don't know why I'm like guessing. It's in Branford, Connecticut. Yeah, so South Central Connecticut. Anyway, I got a variety pack of these beers. So they had a couple that I really liked. And they always throw in, I've always said it, they always throw in one weird one just to like get you to buy this thing that I don't know if they have like extra stock of. They wish they didn't can these things and no one's buying them. So they just chuck them in a variety pack. Or they just want to get you to try something new and exotic. Or it's just maybe their, their spot to like have a little bit of flair and be like, ooh, let's make something a little bit different and and try something creative well this one is a chocolate chocolate raspberry porter called winter weight and it was definitely the gimmick beer of the set i had like lagers and ipas for the other and then one chocolate raspberry porter called winter weight it's a 12 fluid ounce can 5.9 percent alcohol by volume uh we're gonna read the back here this little hibernation helper is as cozy as a coat and perfect for those snowed in and snowed over shorter winter days and that's why I picked this one, because if you live anywhere near Connecticut, then you probably just experienced one of the worst weather days ever today, which was just like 12 hours of sleet, uh, and it just covered everything in ice. And it was horrible, so I wanted to come back and have some. This says it's a cozy, snowy type of weather beer. Now, this is an interesting beer for me, because I don't think I've ever had a porter in my entire life, and I actually haven't even opened this one up yet, because I wanted you guys to be here live for the first sip. And... uh and who knows what's going to happen. So I did a fake bottle can opening or, or beer can opening for the intro. Here's a real one for you. Ooh. All right. I didn't bring a glass. This probably is the type of beer you want to drink from a glass. But we're going to see what we have here. I've had a stout before. Didn't love it. Don't like this dark type of beer. I think a porter is the same sort of thing. But you know what? We're going to have an open mind. We're going to have an open mind. Here we go. I don't, I don't like that. That's exactly what I thought it was going to be. It's just like a drinking a dark ashtray. It's just thick and creamy, and it's like, I, I don't know what. I guess if you were like drinking one and I don't know, put it on ice or something, it it feels like drinking. I'll try. There's like no carbonation to it. It'd be like drinking a, uh, like a Bailey's liqueur or something on ice, just like a thick carbonationless thing. It's not a horrible flavor overall. I kind of like the chocolate raspberry. I just don't want this uh, this thing. I don't know. Personal preference, I guess. Maybe somebody thinks this is awesome. I'm not a porter guy, but you know what? Really brave of me for trying, right? Trying something different. I will drink the whole thing. I will drink the whole thing. So yeah, spoiler alert, I've been sober the entire time up until now, and uh, it's time to catch up a little bit. But you, I, you can't chug that thing. You can't drink it. I think maybe that's why I don't like it. What, what am I supposed to do with this thing? Just sip it lightly. 
Come on, that's no way to drink alcohol. Unless we're taking shots of it. Maybe you gotta get little shot glasses, then I can enjoy it a little more. But a 5.9% alcohol, I gotta do that all day. All right, so that is Winter Weight by Stony Creek. Chocolate Raspberry Porter, thank you for going with me on that journey. All right, what do we talk about now? Team stats. Oh, team stats, because we know those looked good, right? In this game, you're one and only New York Jets, as we've mentioned four or five times now. Lost this game 42-21. to The stats were not in their favor. First downs, Baltimore dominated them 23-13, to which is just pretty indicative of how Baltimore moved the ball compared to the New York Jets. Almost doubled us there. But the big categories we like to look at, start with time of possession. The Ravens beat us 31 minutes to 28. The next one is turnovers. The Ravens didn't have a single turnover in this game. Jets turned the ball over twice. One fumble by Sam, one pick by Sam. Penalties, of course we had more. They had six penalties for 35 total yards. 35 measly yards. New York Jets, eight penalties for 94 yards. Of course, very fitting. The New York Jets are a worse team, a worse coached team. Less skilled players, more backups, no continuity. The Ravens, they were never going to have more penalties than the Jets in this one. The other one we always look at is third down efficiency. And oh my gosh, for the first time, the New York Jets get over 41%. They get all the way up to 42%. 6 of 14 which was also better than the Baltimore Ravens, who were 2 of 8. Now, you wonder to yourself, how do they have twice as many first downs and only have 8 third down tries when the Jets had 14? Well, because they were converting first downs on first down and second down over and over. In fact, at the end of this game, they even had RG3 playing, and they weren't going for first downs there, and that skewed their numbers down a little lower than they should have been anyway in terms of efficiencies. So, you know, it is what it is. At least the Jets... 6 of 14, at least in 14 tries, we were able to find 6 plays that worked to pick it up. Now, we did go for 2 fourth down tries, didn't get either one of those. So in this game, we already mentioned it, you know, passing, we threw for 207 net total passing yards, they had 212. If that sack by Terrell Basham yielded any sort of negative loss, potentially we would have had more passing yards in this game than them. So that's kind of cool, I guess, but they they doubled us in rushing, 218 yards to 103. And overall, they just played a better game than us. And, you know, they got to use their backup quarterback because it was just so out of reach. And they scored early and often. You know, the first three times, scoring there is so much more important than scoring a touchdown in the fourth quarter like the New York Jets did or getting that blocked kick here. Like, at that point, it's about 35-7, to and you score. It's 13-35 to now. It's not anywhere near in range of actually trying to win this game. For them to score on your first, second, third drive in the, you know, the beginning of the second quarter to already be up 21 to 7, I mean, that's a big deal, putting those numbers up. It's deflating. Every single one of us watching that game felt it. We all felt watching that just like, I don't think we're going to stop them all game. I think they're going to score as many points as they want to score tonight. You know, that's what they did to the whole team, too. I'm sure the Jets felt the same way. They're going to do their best, but, you know, how can you be out there letting letting them march down the field over and over and really have any confidence in what you're doing? So that was uh, that was team stats in this one. So the next thing I want to do before we get into a quick preview of the Steelers is just do who's trending up and who's trending down. And in terms of that, I want to talk about the you know really focus on the players that it matters for the young players, the players in contract years, the players that still have you know something to give to the New York Jets, and it actually is important or imperative whether or not we keep them and how they perform. And these are guys that I'd like to watch for the remainder of the year, guys that I've been watching all year long, but some people that I just want to like focus on a little bit more, make sure. Uh, just make sure we're getting our eyes on them so that we can keep Joe Douglas in check if he makes the wrong calls that we know. That way we're not blindsided by, like, wait a minute, four years in, like, wait a minute, is Mike McCacken really bad? At least we can we can be, all right, we can find out if he's got to go early, if he makes all the wrong calls. So here we go. And this is basically taking place for this one, basically replacing father time, because we will not be doing father time this week. I'm sorry, everybody. Happy birthday, Dad. Very awesome. We'll get back to it next week, I'm sure. Um... Yeah, just enjoy your birthday right now, Dad. You deserve it. So trending up, Sam Darnold. He keeps getting better. He keeps showing that with a bad offensive line, not a ton of weapons on offense, he can make things happen. Whether you like Adam Gase or not, whether you like his play calling or not, Sam Darnold's using it, and he's actually getting better. He's finding ways to find people open. He's throwing the ball over the field. Even though we got horrible receivers, he's still throwing at Jeff Smith, Vincent Vincent Smith, Jeff Smith, yeah, a bunch of Smiths, like forgettable names even. But he spreads the ball around regardless of who you put in there. He moves in the pocket well. He's throwing off schedule. It was early in this year. He was throwing off his back foot and throwing a bunch of picks, bad ones. He doesn't do that anymore. You know, the, the throw to Daniel Brown wasn't great, but he ran a bad route. 
and it's a third string tight end. Sam Darnold's trying to, it's a game that we're already way down and he's trying to find a way to get some points before the half. And, you know, you can't fault him too much for a miscommunication there. It's going to happen. At least he's not throwing off his back foot. There was a point where it was like, he's got, if he could stop that, he'd be really good. He just has to stop making really dumb boneheaded throws. Well, he really, for the most part, has stopped doing that. So he's trending up. Going to the running backs, trending down. Ty Montgomery, trending down. He was supposed to be a jack-of-all-trades sort of hybrid player that we brought in that was going to be able to be in the receiving game, the return game, the running game. He really has not been effective in any single one of them. Vincent Smith's been the better return man aside from a fumble. He's been Bilal Powell. Even Josh Adams has almost been better in the run game than Ty Montgomery. Le'Veon Bell, of course. Receiving, guys like Vincent Smith have just popped in and had better receiving years than Ty Montgomery. So he's really trending down, and a guy that we may not bring back next year. Uh, going over to the receivers, Robbie Anderson, my mind, trending up. You know, he's not going to get 1,000 yards probably this year, but he's probably going to break, you know, he's probably going to be really close to 900, which is a pretty solid season considering we played a bunch of games with Luke Falk. He's going to be, he would have been 1,000 yards if Sam Darnold played the whole season. And he's not a true number one, no, but he's probably our best outside wide receiver, definitely. So he usually gets the coverage from Stephon Gilmore twice a year. He'll probably get a lot of coverage from Tredavious White against the Bills last week as he did the first time we played them. So he gets tough matchups. It's not like we give him an easy job. We don't have a pass protection that can really allow him to get open downfield the way that he would. So everything that we're doing this year kind of goes against the way that he would like to play and flourish. And still he's finding a way to have a pretty solid receiving year. He's got four touchdowns, 729 yards right now. He's got you know only 47 catches, so it's not super high volume. But in my mind, he's trending up, and he's been much better the last, like, four, five, six weeks than he was the first half of the season. Jamison Crowder, he's trending up, not because he's been super consistent, but because Jamison Crowder, the big thing when we got him was he's got to be healthy. This is a guy that's had injuries his entire career. You know what? He's been healthy the whole time for the New York Jets. So we have him under contract for at least two more years. And so he's trending up. You got potentially your two receivers right there. Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder, two healthy guys. Boom, let's keep them, add another, and bring Chris Herndon back. That's a pretty good offense if those guys can be healthy. Now we know that they won't all be healthy all year long. So also got to bring in a couple good depth pieces. Somebody better than Joshua Bellamy. Somebody better than Daniel Brown. And when we draft, they got to be better than they got to be better than like Trenton Cannon, Eli McGuire, Trevon Wesco. These are guys that are just in and out. We need to get some people that are actually in to stay in. Another Robbie Anderson-style guy, you know what I'm saying? All right, trending down, Ryan Griffin, because we just signed him. He's supposed to be the guy. We have opportunities with Chris Herndon out this year. Ryan Griffin gets injured. He goes on IR, and all of a sudden, he's out. So now it's like, all right, by the time Ryan Griffin can come back and be healthy, it's the same time that Chris Herndon should be here. So Ryan Griffin will probably never, if things go well, he'll never be a number one tight end on the New York Jets again. So his stock drops there just for the lack of production and minutes and, and being on the field. Um trending down also tight end Trevon Wesco because we drafted him but he wasn't drafted by Joe Douglas and he has shown really nothing this is if there's any year where a tight end would have an opportunity to make an impact on this team like even a a young rookie who's never played before like just getting opportunities it would be this year because we have Chris Herndon out for the entire season Ryan Griffin now on IR and the only other guy competing with you is Daniel Brown the New York Jets are playing like two tight end sets all the time but still with Daniel Brown being the number one guy, Trevon Wesco doesn't move into like a number two tight end role where he's catching the ball and making any sort of impact. He's been an absolute... Some people refer to him as Baby Gronk when we drafted him. That's absolutely ridiculous. He had horrible numbers and stats playing for uh, in college. And he's supposed to be a good run blocker, but he's really useless out there. And a year where tight end is just... We're looking at... Oh, Daniel Brown, thank gosh we have him. Like, really? Trevon Wesco can't step into this? We just re-signed Ryan Griffin. We already have Chris Herndon. I mean, Trevon Wesco's best case scenario is going to be the third string tight end for the next three years. He very likely is on his way out very soon. Also trending down, Quincy Nunwa, because Quincy Nunwa was a guy that signed an extension with the New York Jets, and he can't get on the field either. Huge injury problems. We knew he had injury problems when we signed him, but this is the worst one he's ever had. He got injured right away. I think it was week one. He's been out for the entire season. And there's one of our, you know, he wasn't getting open a ton. He's not, even when we were watching him play, it's like, oh, Quincy Nuno doesn't really get open. doesn't get a ton of separation. We're talking like that because he really isn't that good of a wide receiver. But for crying out loud, he is better right now than Demarius Thomas. 
he is better right now for sure than guys like Braxton Berrios, Vincent Smith, Jeff Smith, Brack, uh, Joshua Bellamy, any of those guys that have played this year in that position. Quincy Newton was better than all of them. But he's trending down because he can't stay on the field, and at this point, his career could potentially be over. It's really gotten to that point. He's been way too injured. We may be better off just cutting our losses. Because if we go into next year and we end up, you know, Quincy comes back, so we got to cut a roster guy, and we end up cutting a guy like Braxton Berrios, who's a good punt returner. Whatever happens, maybe we draft another guy. Some kid doesn't get a chance because we keep Quincy Nunwa, and then Quincy Nunwa gets injured second, third week of the season. And we miss out on somebody else because of that. It's going to be a huge buzzkill. Because, as we've seen, practice squad players at wide receiver sometimes have to play. And it happens more when your guys get injured. So don't kill our depth and kill our starting unit by keeping a guy like Quincy Noodle who can't get on the field. Offensive line, we know my opinions on them. I think basically every single one of them needs to be replaced. The only guy that's really playing well, in my mind, Alex Lewis, is a guy that could potentially get a... Uh, Another contract with the Jets. He's actually a, an upcoming free agent after this. We'll see if they resign him. I think the guy trending down the most out of every single guy is Brian Winters because Brian Winters has, for some for some reason, he's like escaped not getting nearly as much grief as he should get. He's actually been really bad for a long time, and it's always been like, well, maybe he's getting better, maybe he's on his way. He's at, you know at least he can play serviceable minutes and he's healthy. Well, now he's injured. He gets a bunch of penalties. He's not getting any better. He's way overpaid on the Jets. That guy's trending down. He's the one I'd like to replace first and foremost right away. Bang, do it tomorrow. And then, you know, replace center. We've got to find someone to play right tackle regularly. Maybe Alex Guard plays left guard. Alex Lewis plays left guard. And, you know, whatever. Kelvin Beecham, he's not under contract next year, so we probably have to replace him as well. And for better, too, because he's old now and he's not... He's not getting anything done. Let's move over to my next list of players. Defensive players that are trending up or down. Jamal Adams trending up because he's an absolute baller. We just got to get him back on the field. Trending down, Daryl Roberts because he's not great at cornerback. Basically got benched there this year, and then he goes back to play safety. He's not a good safety either. He played it this year. He played it last year. He's one of those guys that, like, the only spot that he ever seemed comfortable playing well was, like, fourth cornerback. Cornerback number four. And the Jets bring him in this year to be cornerback number two and safety number three at this point. And he's not good at either of those positions, so he's trending down. Marcus May, in my opinion, he's trending down. Because there was a point when we had Jamal Adams and Marcus May, and we were sitting there talking to ourselves like, I wonder if Marcus May is the better of the two. And injuries are the things that are really slowing Marcus May down. Well, you know what? Marcus May is finally healthy. He clearly is not better than Jamal Adams. He's not even close to as good as Jamal Adams. Now, he's really good at not allowing the top to be taken off of defense by covering guys deep. But he's gotten a lot more opportunity with Jamal Adams being out. We've been bringing him up into the box a lot more, allowing him to blitz allowing him to do a little bit more. He's nowhere near as versatile. He's kind of just like a don't let a guy beat you kind of safety. Just a free safety that doesn't allow you to beat him deep because he doesn't tackle very well at this point. So he's trending down. Trending up, Brian Poole. He's a free agent next year. We got to resign that guy, in my opinion. He's playing really well. He's injured right now, but he should be able to come back just fine. And he's been our best cornerback this entire season. I didn't even mention him not being there in a game like this. We don't even have Brian Poole. We got a couple of guys on the defensive line that are trending up, in my opinion, for Lorenzo Fadakasi and Kyle Phillips, because those are two guys that, you know, super cheap under contract as these guys brought in by the New York Jets, undrafted, sixth round. You know, these guys were not supposed to be really good. They're playing serviceable minutes for the New York Jets, and they're giving us hope that maybe we don't have to address the defensive line. For the first time in a draft, the Jets don't have to draft a defensive lineman because we have these two guys that came out of nowhere. So trending up for those two. Probably look like uh, they're going to be filling some holes next year. Terrell Basham, in my opinion, he's trending down. He was getting after the quarterback a bunch early this season. Recently, he's been getting... Oh, just dropped my mic. Okay, what the heck was that? Um, sorry about that. Lost my train of thought here. Terrell Basham was getting after the quarterback a lot, frequently early in the season. And he's not doing that anymore. He missed a couple tackles in this game. He did have one broken play sack for minus one yards, or zero yards, even how it came up in the box box score but um he just really doesn't have what he had early in the year maybe he ran out of it tank is empty not sure I think Nate Hairston I think that he was trending up early in the year then I think he trended down heavily I think he's trending up a little bit now I think he's playing again he was forced to go back in there with some more injuries and I think he's better than some other guys have been this year so Nate Hairston you know Keep in mind, I'm not saying that he can ever be for the New York Jets a number one a number two a number three cornerback but on a team that you know carries six cornerbacks and this year plays eight or nine yeah he's worth being in that top six in my opinion um, but we'll see what we can do in the draft keep in mind 
he's very replaceable as well. You can easily find somebody better. Um, and if we have a really deep cornerback group, that'd be awesome. We're just pretty far from it right now. Bless Austin. He's back healthy playing. We weren't sure if he'd ever be, but he is. He's trending up because he's not been targeted too much. He's been picked out a little bit here and there, but overall, he's not really blown anything too bad. He had a bad pass interference last week, but you know, I'm, I'm overall pretty happy with the way Blashawn Austin's played. And the biggest thing is that he actually played this year. He was on the PUP list, and it was like, is this one of those McCaglin guys that's just never going to touch the field in his entire career? Nope, it's not the case. And then the last guy trending down, Frankie Lubu. He's not going to be on this team next year. He's super young. He's super inexpensive, but he's not doing anything. He's not getting any, on a team, you know, starving for pass rushers. And that's what he does. He's not getting any minutes. And the minutes that he does get, he's not making any production. He's not making his name known at all. He's one of those guys that, you know, it's it's a miracle that he's even on the team right now because he he's not doing anything. There's, there's no reason to have him out there right now. You could find another player, maybe find another safety, another cornerback or something. Frankie Luvu, I guess if somebody got injured, he could fill in for a Brandon Copeland or a, or a Jordan Jenkins. And if you cut him, you'd be a little disappointed because now you'd have to find a practice squad player that you don't know and doesn't know your system. But with everybody healthy, Frankie Luvu, he really has no place in this team right now. Yeah, that's basically all I got for who's trending up, who's trending down for players that, in my opinion, are worth evaluating at this point. And uh, that's what I got. So before we go over to a quick Pittsburgh Steelers preview, commercial. Alrighty, let's preview the Steelers game. It is our second to last game of the year. We're playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that potentially fighting for a playoff spot. They are a team that I do not root for. I do not like. They've been around for a long time. They've been a thorn on our side more than once, beat us in some playoff games, and I would be happy to knock them out of the playoffs and let somebody else get in there. I would be happy to make their season a little bit more difficult, a little bit more stressful, painful than it needs to be. They've had enough good years. They, uh, it's their turn now. So I also would like Mike Tomlin to be our coach. So if we could get him fired, that'd be really cool. Anyways, let's talk about this, this Porter. It's a, it's a, this thing is a chore. It's like, it's just like drinking a chocolate gravy. And it's like, why would I ever want to, why would I ever want to drink that? If I cut this thing with vodka, maybe, maybe I could salvage it. Um... The Pittsburgh Steelers, their offense is interesting. They've moved quarterbacks like crazy. They had ben, ben Roethlisberger to start the season. He went down. They traded one of their backup quarterbacks, who was supposed to be their third-string guy earlier in the season because they had a bunch of players that thought, you know, we can make it work with Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph as our number two. That should be good enough. And worst-case scenario, they had this guy, Duck Hodges, who was their number four in preseason, who was playing pretty well, and they were like, you know, we can get rid of one. So they went with those three. Ben Roethlisberger goes down very early in the season, so they go to Mason Rudolph, a guy they drafted pretty early very recently, and he came in, he did all right, he had like an 80 quarterback rating, he was doing some good things, some bad things, not lighting the league up by any means, 186 yards a game, 12 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, he was sacked a bunch, so Mason Rudolph, he was in there, we saw what he did with Miles Garrett, whatever, Mason Rudolph's kind of an annoying dude, he got replaced by Devlin Hodges, this dude, Duck Hodges, what they call him now, and he was that fourth string quarterback who moved up, he's got an 82 quarterback rating, playing slightly better, He's, giving, he's averaging 158 passing yards per game. He's got five touchdowns and six interceptions. And he's played in six games. So he's only throwing the ball 80 times, 67%. It's not like he's out there chucking the ball all over the time. But this team, right now, they don't really have a true starting quarterback who knows what he's doing. And Greg Williams is great at confusing young quarterbacks. It's what he does. If we get guys like Jamal Adams back, maybe Quinn and Williams back, some guys for this game that can help us on defense, It'll be a lot easier. But even without them, Greg Williams is able to confuse a dude like Duck Hodges. 158 yards per game. That is nothing to be worried about. We do have to get a pass rush on him. We have to stop their run. If we can do that, get back on track as a run defense, shut down their run, force their quarterback to throw, scramble, improvise, they'll make some mistakes. They will. And Greg Williams will be able to capitalize on it. So I think offensively, I'm not worried about the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they've got a few running backs they like to run it to. James Conner is the number one. they got a guy, Jalen Samuels, who's a backup. He's having a, a pretty quiet year. Um, actually extremely inefficient, 2.7 yards per carry. Benny Snell is a guy that they drafted recently. He's got 3.9 yards per carry. He's only got 321 yards. As a team, they've got 1,281 yards. Number one running back, James Conner has 439. 432, rather. 
but he's been injured recently. Came back last week. Not a super productive game from him. They're not getting a ton of crazy good output from their running back position. And they're used to having a really good offensive line where Le'Veon Bell was really good. Everyone said, oh, if Le'Veon Bell's gone, it's not going to make any difference. James Conner's good. Anybody who plays in this offensive line will be great. Well, they've had a couple changes at offensive line. But this season, a 3.7 yard per carry average for the team. So they are below average as a unit. They aren't great at running the ball. Part of it's because you can stack more guys in the box. You don't have to worry about these quarterbacks, Mason Rudolph, Devlin Hodges, nearly, nearly as much as Ben Roethlisberger. But we're not playing against Ben Roethlisberger. We're playing against these guys. And our rush defense is going to be able to stop James Conner, Benny Snell, Jalen Samuel. They will. And when they do, it's going to make it very difficult on third and longs for Devlin Duck Hodges to try to get completions. And he's, I'm sure he's going to struggle out there. This is going to be a bad game for the Pittsburgh Steelers offensively. Even their best receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster, hasn't really been playing. Their leading receiver playing right now is James Washington. He's got 694 yards, so a lesser season than Jameson Crowder playing with whatever quarterbacks we've been playing with this year. He's their number one guy. Their number two, Deontay Johnson, 544 yards. Then they got another guy running back, Jalen Samuel, catches a bunch. James Conner, he'll catch a bunch. Then some tight ends, Vance McDonald. Nick Vanette, those guys have like 240 yards each. So there's nothing too scary in that passing game. Now getting pressure will be very helpful, but disguising looks and making this day difficult for Duck Hodges, very, very, very doable for the New York Jets. If, Sam, if uh, Jamal Adams plays, if Quinn Williams plays, if we get some of the boys back, it'll make it a heck of a lot easier. Now when it comes to the offensive side of the ball for the New York Jets, that's where things get a little bit dicey. Pittsburgh Steelers have a very, very good pass rush this year. They've got 49 or so sacks. Cameron Hayward, a guy that's been on their team for a very long time, he's got eight sacks, 13 tackles for a loss. Eight sacks there. Bud Dupree, he's got nine and a half sacks. 16 tackles for a loss. TJ Watt, JJ Watt's brother, he's got 13 sacks. 21 and a half tackles for a loss. All of those guys, better seasons than any single pass rusher on the New York Jets. They got three of them. And they got a bunch of guys, you know, three and a half sacks, two and a half sacks, three sacks. They got other guys that are getting after the quarterback as well. But you got three guys right there. Super scary for our offensive line. We're going to have to keep a running back in. If Bilal Powell's feeling better, him and Le'Veon Bell, keep them in to block, to chip, TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward, whoever gets to the backfield, help out Sam Darnold. Quick passes. Um, they've also got some good playmakers in the backfield. Minka Fitzpatrick, he's got five interceptions on the season. I mean, that guy was traded from the Miami Dolphins. He's playing out of his mind since going over there. So we got to watch out for him. But in my opinion, the way that we have to attack them is get it to their corners because some of their cornerbacks are a little weaker than they'd like to admit, I think. They've got Steven Nelson, Mike Hilton, and an old, old Joe Hayden playing cornerback for them. Now, Minka Fitzpatrick's kind of all over the field, and he's the big playmaker. But if you can keep it away from him, do quick passes, mesh plays, flares, flats, and then take your opportunities deep when you have chances to Robbie Anderson. I think there is a pathway where the New York Jets can be successful. And we saw it. I mean, we did this whole thing against the Baltimore Ravens, going through their team. It's like, wow, they've got great, great cornerbacks. They've got great linebackers. They have a really good defense overall. But still, Sam Darnold was able to find a relative amount of success can give, given the amount of opportunities he had in this game, the amount of times he had the ball and all that. He actually looked pretty darn good. And there's no reason that against a team like the Steelers, he can't look just as good. And in a game where maybe we're stopping them defensively and there's a little bit more edge in the game and it's like, ooh, we actually can win this thing. It's not a deflated sort of feeling. Very possible the Jets come out and play a good game. I'm expecting them to win this one. I've said it a bunch. I did not expect them to beat the Ravens, so it's, I don't always say the Jets are going to win. And the Jets have won a bunch recently. You know, I didn't think we were going to win with Luke Falk. Most of the games to Sam Darnold, except for the Patriots and the Ravens. I do think the Jets are going to win. And this is another one. I'm confident in our team. I know that we don't have half of it, but the half that we do have, namely Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder, Le'Veon Bell, and then hopefully Jamal Adams and Greg Williams, that to me is enough to beat a lot of teams in the NFL, especially decent teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers. So in this game, Sam Darnold in a bounce-back performance scores 25 points to the Pittsburgh Steelers' 17. The New York Jets win by eight points, almost two scores, and everybody feels a little bit better about the season. Still, we don't make the playoffs. Still, at that point, we're 6-9. and nine. But 
We get to look at the Buffalo Bills. We get to knock down the Steelers in one of their meaningful playoff run games. And we get to make things interesting in the AFC. We lose draft positioning a little bit, but who cares? We feel good. We're having a nice time. And that's what really matters. That's why we do the podcast. That's why we watch the New York Jets. That's why we're fans of sports in general. That and, you know, beer helps. Unless you're drinking a freaking chocolate raspberry porter that I'm struggling through this one. This is the soberest I've ever been exiting an episode. And it's kind of a shame that I don't like porters. I need to expand my palate. That's all I got for this episode. As always, follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. Like, rate, review this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. And feel free to engage with me on gangreennation.com, on the podcast sites, whatever. Always happy to talk New York Jets. Look forward to another podcast next week. We're going to start changing things up. we got one more week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Get back on track with like a father time and that stuff. We're going to do one final closeout week against the Buffalo Bills. And from there... It's going to be a shortened schedule, probably going to do podcasts, you know, bi-weekly or once a month, something like that, depending on how much is going on and just talk about the future of the team, where we're heading and all that. So we got a lot of stuff to look forward to. This podcast is not going anywhere. Don't worry. It just maybe dialed back a little bit, but as is life when New York Jets season ends, that's what we got to do. So thank you for joining me again for this episode. I'm Dan Burnham and this is the Jet Life. (laughs) 